0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Music Tectonics, the podcast that digs below the surface to uncover what's shifting at the intersection of music and tech. I'm your host for today, Tristra York jager lead strategist at Rock Paper Scissors, the music PR firm. Our guests today are a really intriguing crew. The folks behind Audius. Actually, I can say the guys. They're all guys. Um, Audius is a decentralized way to distribute and enjoy music. And because of its structure, it's in effect owned by fans and artists who use it. So we'll talk more about the details behind this approach and what it might mean for the music ecosystem and the music business in general. But first, I'm going to introduce uh, our guests. Please feel free to introduce yourselves and let us know a little bit about what your roles are at Audius.
2: Hey, Tristra. Thank you so much for having us. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Ro Neal. I'm one of the co-founders of the project alongside of Forrest. And uh, I work on a lot of different things at, at Audius these days, I guess. But um, kind of a mix of partnerships, BD sort of work, as well as, uh, you know, still still involved in engineering a bit these days as well. Um, but yeah, very excited to share uh, a little bit more of what we're doing and why we exist or why we think we need to exist uh, uh, with everyone here.
0: Cool. And then uh, I, I'm Forrest, super excited to be chatting uh, with you all today. Uh, so my uh, role here is basically uh, all things related to product. I'm the other co-founder of Audius alongside with... Uh, with Runeel, And um, my day to day is kind of focused on the the consumer facing experience for our users, the artists and fans, and kind of everything that entails. Uh,
3: And I'm Clayton Blaha, uh, head of partnerships at Audius, um, former music industry curmudgeon. um, And I handle most of the uh, public outreach, uh, community stuff, social media stuff, and essentially forge all the relationships that we have with um, the artist community, as well as um, institutions within music and and just make sure that uh, we're always talking to uh, the incumbents.
1: Awesome, um, every every music tech team definitely needs its curmudgeon. So it's good to have a good range of perspectives. All right, so uh, two of you, um, Renelle and Forrest, come from a very strong and impressive tech background. But I always, I'm pretty predictable, and I always want to hear how people who have um, uh, music tech projects first get obsessed with music. So share your story a little bit. How did y'all first get really into music? And how did that uh, passion guide you as you built Audius? Yeah, I, uh, I can go first. Uh, this
2: is Roniel talking. So I uh, got my start in music actually playing drums. That was what, like, you know, first sort of drew me into, um, uh, you know, wanting to just you know explore all the music that there was to to hear and especially uh uh, so i i started playing drums when i was in like Third grade or, or so of elementary school, um, you know, got I think as as many drummers do, uh, uh found my way click quickly into um uh, metal post hardcore at that time was like the sort of you know, uh, uh more more drum heavy or drum interesting kind of music, um, and then eventually like, you know, as as uh, uh I grew a bit older, I think I realized that um, you know, I didn't. Maybe have the uh, God-given talent needed to to be a great uh, musician, like playing an instrument. But um, my love for music that I developed in that never never abated. Um, I, I think I I really sort of um, gravitated towards like the collecting side of, of music and and the curating side of music and just sort of uh, uh, you know started out before like looking for things that would be cool to replicate or to play on the drums but um, I think that habit that I built up just ended up you know kind of guiding all of all of my music listening habits more more broadly over time it was just this like there's this sort of, you know the search for those little little bits of gold or those those uh, uh, diamonds in the rough that like you know when you find a, a piece of music that like says something to you or, or makes you feel a certain way um, you know that's it's like the best uh, the best feeling in the world and and uh, you know that search that continuous search to find more uh, uh, you know is, is something that I I think I've always uh, uh, for better or for worse, or for worse maybe for my productivity sometimes. But uh, uh, that that kind of search for for the cool stuff is what I enjoyed most. I think.
0: Yeah, and candidly, pretty similar story on on my side. You know, grew up playing a bunch of instruments. Uh, you know, in in, in school and things like that. But <laughs> it became fairly apparent early in life that similarly, I don't think I necessarily had the the god given talent. Uh, that that was going to go anywhere. But you know, I've been. Going into, into college, um, so where Neil and I both met at, at undergrad, um, studying computer science. And you know, even back then, our, our friend group was definitely sort of like a power user uh, ecosystem for for SoundCloud and, and then these social networks that were kind of built on top, like Hype Machine and others. Um, so even back then, I think we were we were kind of like you know super interested in in these underground playlists, underground sets, uh, kind of like sharing stuff that hadn't totally broken out yet. Um, And then actually in undergrad, while studying computer science, um, I took quite a few classes at this department that that Stanford had called Karma, uh, which was a really cool kind of cross disciplinary intersection between the music uh, side of of the the campus as well as like the the technology side. So it was this really interesting way where the whole point was blending technology with music. Um, So, you know, I was able to take a lot of these classes that were about like, you know, how, how do you build For instance, like 3D visualizers that that represent different frequencies. And you know, it just really started to kind of geek out on on the tech that would underlie uh synthesizers and and all sorts of other uh you know
1: music, uh digital instruments. How about you, Clayton? What's your background? (laughs) I
3: uh I've been I, I I've been in love with music since I can probably before I could even speak. Um my earliest memories of falling in love with rap, uh involve my dad I'm watching the Snoop Dogg video for What's My Name where he turns into a dog and then bites his girlfriend's dad right in the crotch and uh, then jumps out of a window. Um, my dad saw that and turned off the TV and screamed more like Snoop Doggy shithead. And um, from that point on, I, I became completely like uh, enraptured in rap music. And, and that kind of informed uh, my journey into music more formally. Um and then um, I remember, uh, I mean, most of my my taste was informed by skateboard videos that I was watching in junior high and high school. And then I was um, exposed to like the where's in community um, really early in junior high. And um, I stole Fruity Loops in beta and uh, started making music on my computer. And much like the co-founders that I just mentioned, I realized that I wasn't very good at it and um, I leaned more into DJing um, and kind of fell into tech when I moved to San Francisco in 2005 to intern for an indie label that I loved a lot and then up picking up a day job doing um, like uh, data, basically like building data sets around rap music. Uh, so I was tagging rap music uh, like manually clicking buttons eight hours a day, five days a week. Um, and then that just kind of uh, it all snowballed from there.
1: I love how you could say, see, dad, Snoop Dogg actually <laughs> sent me on, on a meaningful career path. So there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, thanks for that amazing story. Um, so let's talk a bit about Audius. Um, can you can one of you or all of you give us a quick intro in lay terms about how Audius works from a tech perspective compared to uh, the more typical cloud-based centralized services like Pandora, Spotify, or Tidal? sure
2: yeah so uh, uh this is roniel again so um audius is a digital streaming service that connects fans directly with artists and exclusive new music um that part is is uh, uh probably already familiar by now but um you know I, I think we really see our key differentiator here being that direct piece of, of uh, uh, the puzzle fostering a direct relationship and direct uh, interactions financial and otherwise between artists and and their fans um, I, I think the, you know the uh, uh, sort of the way that certain fans have continued to be disconnected from and pushed away from uh, uh, their favorite artists over time um, I think it's just something that like we as as music lovers uh, are really uh, uh, sort of felt was a really unfortunate part of uh the broader shift to, to um streaming and and how that played out right um there were a, at a time platforms like soundcloud that did let you uh you know get that that sense of direct engagement and, and connection with your favorite artists but um soundcloud you know as, as we all know today is is a small shadow of what it once was in terms of usage right so um i think you know the the way that we're able to achieve that, and and we believe to to be able to like durably um achieve that over time in the face of you know various you know kind of um you know competing interests that like a typical company might might have, um, is that Audius is fully decentralized, so it's operated and owned by the very community that make it. You know, interesting and and useful. Uh, the people who are uploading music, the people who are uh, uh, coming and curating and listening to music, um, and then the the third group here is the people who actually host the the content, like they're sort of community members and audience that actually run servers that maintain the service, like keep content available and and do a number of other things. So by putting those together, uh, we're actually able to, you know, the, the way Audius is set up, like our company doesn't actually sort of like do anything on a on a recurring basis. But the important consequence of, of that is, you know, because we're not, sort of in that position to host content or, or control who is able to upload content or, or whatever else, um, uh, you know, you don't you don't actually have to like trust our company or the good intentions of our company to use Audius and to be able to get value from it. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's really, you know, unfortunately, what we've seen time and time again with other services is that they sort of, you know, build a great community get big um, with that community support uh, and then kind of turn their back on that community uh, at, at a certain stage of growth. And, you know, in, in the case of SoundCloud, we all saw that sort of play out with the alienation of, of that initial community that made it so exciting um, with, with audience. Like we actually can't, you know, our, our, Company nor us as as individuals are are capable of making changes to uh to audience that might not serve the community. Everyone in the community actually has a a vote on and a say in uh the future direction and and evolution of of this system. So, yeah, we're we're really excited about all of that. But um, but yeah, I, I think the. You know, with respect to how we fit into this broader tapestry of uh, uh, other music services, things like this, um, you know, I I think we're we're really uh, Audius is really positioned to be the place that artists share uh uh things directly with their fans so think like you know early works maybe releases that don't make it onto uh uh the album things of of that sort of nature have been i think the things that our community gets really riled up and and excited about because um, it's it's a chance to really you know get that glimpse or that connection with uh uh the artist's creative process um and also you know hear cool stuff that that they might not have released elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a kind of interesting point and distinction that's that's worth driving home here. Um, You know, if folks haven't heard of Audius or aren't familiar with it, you know, definitely check it out at at audius.co. But, you know, we have all of these very interesting and complex mechanisms um, that are helping to drive uh, this thing. Um, but I think what's really powerful about at least what we've built and, and, and you know, what the product is, is that you can use the thing and it looks and feels probably pretty similar to what folks are already familiar with, with a SoundCloud or a Spotify. You know, it's a fairly normal looking streaming service on, on the surface level where you can go upload your tracks, play other people's tracks, you know, the social network type of actions within that. Um, but then there's all these very interesting kind of underpinnings in terms of node operators running and actually hosting the content and, and things like that. Um, but very importantly for us was that, you know, anybody, um, even without any sort of technical knowledge, can come and use this and be part of this product and part of this, this frankly, community um, without needing to, to know all of these complexities. You know, you as a normal user can just, you know, treat it like a normal uh, music service, if you will. Um, albeit a little more U- UGC, or user-generated content, I think, you know, this skews a little closer towards like a YouTube for music than it does almost like a, you know, a Netflix for music, if you will, which is, I think, what Spotify and Apple Music are. Um, we're, yeah. we're a little bit more for, for the underground community.
1: I love it. That makes a ton of sense. Um, we're going to take a quick little break here and come right back and talk about exactly how you set up the community so that it can function relatively smoothly. I have some exciting news for music tech startups. Applications are open for our second annual music tech pitch competition, part of the 2021 Music Tectonics Conference. We've teamed up with BandLab to make this year's event even more awesome. So here it is. BandLab presents Swimming with Narwhals, a music tech startup competition. Startups across any part of the music tech ecosystem are invited to apply, with a new additional emphasis on music creation and fan-facing companies. Apply at musictectonics.com by August 16, 2021. To be eligible, your startup must have a valuation under $2 million US, and you must purchase a conference ticket. Luckily for you, tickets are available at an early bird rate of $69 through August 2nd, 2021. Our jury will select 10 semi-finalists to pitch at Music Tectonic's online pre-conference events. Four finalists will then go on to pitch at the online conference October 25th through 27th, 2021. Best of all, Lab's investment arm, Caldecott Ventures, has earmarked up to $50,000 to invest in one of our winners. We won't throw you in a ruthless shark tank. We invite you instead to swim with the narwhals the unicorns of the sea. Learn more and apply at musictectonics.com. All right, we're back. Um, I want to ask you guys a little bit about how exactly um, you allow the community to govern itself on Audius. I mean, online communities can be weird, unpredictable, rowdy, um, crazy stuff can happen, but you have an interesting system that helps um, keep things chugging along in a fairly rational and productive way. So can you explain that system, especially for people who are not familiar with things like tokenization and or the cryptocurrency world for total newbies? How does that system work?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think, you know, f- the way uh, uh, Forrest was able to to talk through it, like really sort of drives the point home, like the the great thing, about uh, uh audius as it's set up today is that you know you can upload content to it you can uh, listen to content you can engage with content um you can you know search for and find cool stuff make playlists do all these things without ever knowing that there's any crypto there like like at all um uh so i i think that like uh, uh is a really important sort of part of of this whole puzzle. And the reason that there are uh, nearly 5 million people using Audius on a monthly basis right now is that, uh, you know, Folks, there is not, there aren't all these hurdles that you know we typically think of and and associate with crypto, right? The the you know managing the wallet and the key and the doing all of this. Um, uh, uh, we've managed kind of on the engineering side, I think, to to build things in such a way that like you don't have to know how to do all those things to to be able to get value out of uh, out of Audius. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, with with that said, uh, there are some. Aspects to Audius that, like, as you go deeper. Uh, you know, there's sort of this, like, choose your own adventure mentality that we've taken, right? Like, there's sort of a spectrum of of complexity that users are able to, you know, either expose themselves to or not expose themselves to uh, over time. And, uh, uh, you know, sort of, I, I think we see that as a, in most user cases, it's like this progression, right? Like, they're the user that's like, I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, You know, they, there are sort of these layers of the onion they can peel back and, and, operate at any level of of the system they might care to um but uh the typical you know things we see there around the audius token uh which which you know for just just for everyone's context is uh this cryptographic token that backs uh the audius network um you can think of it like kind of a a uh a transferable right to do business within this ecosystem, I think is, is the best you know analogy or explainer. Think of it almost like a, a taxi medallion or, or something to that effect. Um, so if you hold and use uh, uh, a sufficient number of those tokens, you can run a server, for example, and host content for other people and earn fees in exchange for that. Um, as an artist, you can, uh, uh, if you hold a sufficient number, you can access features that enable new forms of distribution. So uh, for example, to get the the sort of NFT tab within your audience profile that lets you show off all the cool NFTs that you may have purchased or uh, issued yourself or, or what have you, um, same same thing there. Like if you if you hold and and uh, uh, accumulate a sufficient number of those tokens, you're able to uh, uh, show that feature. Um, but then the third pillar, and and where I think this is really important, gets at the sort of like community control side. Is uh, the, each each token actually maps to a vote in the governance system. So um, uh, you, as a token holder user uh, within the system, actually, you know, get to vote on any and every change made to the Audius code, which, uh, uh, you know, taking a few steps up from you know, in abstraction, basically means that anything and everything that might change about Audius, uh, you as a token user get a say in, you get a vote on. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's sort of like you know where where these two worlds meet and and collide, um, and and we've been super you know impressed by and excited by you know how many artists like. You know when they when they see sort of the the rhetoric and the claims made around audius by by our community um get excited about wanting to dig deeper right it's like this uh 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 This kind of bottomless rabbit hole of of like you know, as a community member, if you want to be productive within Audius and contribute value, uh, the network will like pay you back, um, uh, you know, in in spades in return for for the effort that you put in. And I I think you know for the for the right people you know, in our our community that have emerged and and stepped up as community leaders, it's been this really fantastic opportunity, right, Uh, uh, to really, like, own, you know, as a creator and an artist, like, own your own means of distribution.
1: That's that's really, really interesting. Um, Can you give us a, just a brief overview of who some of these really active leaders are like what kind of person has gotten deeply involved and and really tried to shape the platform in meaningful ways to enhance their own experience whether they were an artist or a fan
3: um i think that, that there's you know there's numerous there's a lot of people you know there's five million people using uh, the platform every month which is so super super exciting that's almost five million um, in terms of artists that are extremely active, um, everybody from people like uh, Dead Mouse, uh, Disclosure, Dylan Francis—you um, know these these are Grammy nominees, if not Grammy winners—and um, they're people that have that have used the platform to the point where, like, we've identified emergent behavior um, in terms of the way their fans interact with their music or the ways that they want to distribute different parts of their music. Like, for example. Um, through working with uh, artists really intimately, we realized that there was a, a acute need to be able to host the the stems of their songs so that fans could um, reinterpret them and remix them. And then um, there's a certain competitive aspect behind it. And um, the, the product team really, really deftly and quickly built, um, the ability to do that. And, um, those three individuals specifically have bitten, have kind of taken to it and used it to, uh, interact with their fans during the pandemic in a way that, that was previously impossible, even with something like SoundCloud or any other, um, you know, even Dropbox or things, things that weren't designed to, uh, kind of facilitate that relationship. Uh, we're such a small team and we're very nimble and we, we kind of, um, spun that up and it's, it's t- caught like wildfire. So now we have like you know some of the biggest dance musicians in the world um, using that feature and, and earning tokens as a result of it. Um, because there's obviously re- there's as Forrest mentioned there's a rewards program now and there will be continually more and more mechanisms to earn the stake in the platform for committing that value. Um, and uh, we've seen that really take off and and their fans are you know go crazy for it as well as um, you know they, they seem to like it quite a bit. Um, on the protocol side, um, in terms of moderate or in terms of um, governance and things like that, so there there's an emerging due to the you know uh, I think people had a lot of time to learn about um, decentralization and cryptocurrency over the last year, which you know um, if there was any blessing about uh, being indoors for eighteen months, it was for us it was that, and um, we've seen members of the community who are formerly singer songwriters, um, this guy Matthew Chime, um, uh, or other people, um, this kid, um, what's his name, Mai. Um, who are musicians first, but now they're kind of like crypto savvy, uh, community builders and they've spun up their own discords and all these things where like the, there's actually no real weighted attention between the music or the crypto side of it. Um, and they're, they're kind of like have equal footing in both worlds. Um, and it's been so cool to see because now they're, they're like crowdfunding records with the audio token or doing all kinds of different things like that. Um. And they're not, you know, these aren't necessarily people that are uh, global artists like the ones I mentioned previously, but they're kind of emerging as like the center of the Venn diagram between crypto and music. They're like kind of the go-to guys, and it's um it's been really inspiring to see that that kind of middle, um like that kind of it's it's a very new sort of musician, um and it's very much a product of of the work that that we put in as well as you know many others. As we are standing on the shoulders of giants, as Reniel says.
1: That's really interesting. It's it's amazing to think that there is a viable space for uh, like that crypto musician overlap, and you know it'd be. It'll be cool to see how that develops over the next couple of years sound-wise. So one really important aspect that's come up a lot has been the user interface or the user experience that you have when you go to Audius and that it isn't, um, you know, like those, the, 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 the humorous tweets about, you know, how easy it is to say, buy an NFT. All you need to do is like about 15 different steps, which to... Um, Newcomers feels a little intimidating. Anyway, um, Forrest, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you went about designing an interface that would feel familiar, but still allow people when needed to unlock all of the other additional features and sort of bells and whistles that a decentralized uh, protocol can let them have.
0: For sure. For sure. I could talk about this for I got five hours. hours, (laughs) Five-hour podcast (laughs) episodes. Cool. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's what's interesting here is there's a lot of things to unpack Uh, and it goes back to what Renil was saying about layers of the onion. Um, I think that's very much how we've thought about even the product experience, right? Like choose your own adventure. Um, For us, the starting point was how do we make something like that, at least in the very beginning, right out of the gate, looks and feels like every other music service that they're used to right? I think that was sort of the starting point for us. And the product's been out for about 18 months. I I would like to think that when we launched it 18 months ago, that's kind of where we were. And since then, of course, we've layered on a lot of really interesting things and we've built up from that foundation. Um, So Clayton was talking about, you know, our our NFT showcase that that we've added. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff that we're, we're building on top of that. But, you know, what we decided, at least from day one, is we have to have a foundation which is on par with, with all the other services out there, which sounds like a fairly easy task. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you know, everybody else has managed to do this, you know, why can't you guys? Um, but the interesting part here is, even though it looks and feels like all the other services that you're used to, behind the scenes is entirely different. And, you know, we could get really deep into the technology, but there's a whole hell of a lot of moving pieces there And it sort of requires us from a product perspective, from a design perspective, from an engineering perspective to put in the work to to kind of like smooth over those rough edges and make the experience what you're used to. I the, the Kind of the, the reference or, or the joke I always like to make is that a lot of these crypto projects have something where, you know, to sign up, it says, oh, first, go read this medium post. And, you know, you have to click and you go read this. You have to read a 300 word medium post before you can figure out how to sign up for the damn thing. Right. Like it, it seems somewhat actually, I think, arrogant from a product perspective or even from a user acquisition perspective that users would have to go educate themselves on how to use your product. Um, I think that's kind of lazy, candidly, from an engineering and a product perspective, right? It's on us to do what's probably a lot more work behind the scenes in order to make it so that you don't have to read that Medium blog post to figure out how to sign up. Um, and it, it's it's not an easy feat. It's not something that, like, I understand why other folks in crypto don't do it because it is a total pain, um, but it is how we've gotten at this point, almost 5 million monthly active users, um, because, you know, we are, a small or medium-sized fish in a big pond, which is the entire music industry, right? And I think a lot of these other crypto projects, you know, even the best ones end up being big fish in a small pond because the the whole pond is just the crypto community because it doesn't matter, you know, how cool the functionality is, if people can't figure out how to even sign up for the thing, like you're never going to get mainstream adoption. And you know, this is this is that that was rather the kind of status quo when we started this thing in 2017, 2018. There were other projects. There were CEOs and founders that were up on stage at some of these conferences. You know, talking about how cool it was that people were using their app and all the crazy you know experiences people were having. But then, and this happened a couple different times at conferences, they would talk about their sign-up funnel. So sign up funnel is just kind of a tech jargon phrase for the steps that people take to sign up for an account, like put in your email, put in your password, you know, upload a profile picture, all those kinds of things. And the problem was to do like operations on the blockchain, Um, previously you had to have this little Chrome extension called MetaMask. Basically it was all the things that you hear about being really hard and difficult on how to use crypto. It was, you had to go download this thing. You had to write down these secret words. It it was a hassle. It would take you half an hour just to make one of these Chrome extension accounts, and then that was required in order to make an account on these other products. And so the CEOs and founders were up on stage talking about their signup funnels and the funnel conversion, like the number of people that actually started the process to actually finished it, it was something like 1% wow. or 5%. And so what that means is for every 100 people that would try to make an account, you know, 5%, five of them would figure out how to actually make the account because the other 95% like weren't crazy crypto savvy. And even though they were trying to build a product for the mainstream, if 95% of people are falling out of your funnel, it's not gonna happen. And so we came at this from a first principles perspective, you know, thinking about how do you build a consumer experience that everybody can use? And if you have a 95 or 99% fall off in your funnel, you're, you're gonna be dead on arrival from a social media or uh, or music streaming service. That's
1: yeah, it's amazing. And to add to
3: that, it's like, like in terms of the artist experience and even listeners, it's like, if we're working with and facilitating the distribution of music that came from the very small amount of people, that have put in the 10,000 hours to make great music and the 10,000 hours to learn about crypto, we're only going to have a hundred people using the platform. So it's like, uh, you know, from a listener's perspective, it's like, they don't like, it doesn't matter. It matters how the music sounds and the music's going to sound a lot better. If it's somebody that's dedicated their, their life and their, their, uh, career to creating great music and st- telling great stories. Um, the rest should be easy. Um, the difficult part should be, you know, conveying the human experience through sound. Um, and so like it, it, not like lacking um, that user experience that Forrest just described, we'd probably have a lot l- lower quality music on the platform as well, which would affect even the people listening.
0: Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, the the Venn diagram intersection between people that are world-class in crypto and world-class in music is almost non-existent, right? Like <laughs> we need more than 20 <laughs> users. And I think, you know, we, we we focus on the big pie of people that make great music and then it's on us to handle all the complexity on the crypto side of things, right? Like some of our artists, you know, have a hard time using email at times, right? Or like understanding kind of the nuances of some of these pieces of tech, which isn't a dig at them at all, right? Because they make far more impressive music than I would ever be able to, to do if I spent my whole life working on that. But it's, so it's kind of on us to do what we do well so that we can let the artist do what they do well.
1: Absolutely. That is an excellent point. And we're going to take another really quick break so everyone can think about um, and maybe be grateful for the fact they don't have to open up a MetaMask account right now. And we'll be right back.
4: The annual Music Tonics Conference is known for bringing together people from across the music tech landscape to share ideas and get business done. In 2021, our unique conference approach invites a global audience to participate in parallel universes, in the metaverse, across the planet, and on a carousel by the sea. Mark your calendar for online events October 25th, through October 27th, and in-person events outdoors by the sea in Los Angeles on November 2nd. We're maximizing what virtual events do best with two unique platforms. In the morning, we'll bring together dynamic and interactive panels of thought leaders plus our world-famous speed networking, so you can share ideas and build relationships frictionlessly across time zones. In the afternoon, we'll add even more serendipity as we invite you to the metaverse. Join us for that feeling of togetherness as you move your avatar through the crowd at a musical instrument demo, drop into the virtual expo hall, or strike up a chance conversation. Don't just talk about innovation in music. Experience it at a conference like no other, Music Tectonics. Learn more and get a special early bird ticket price starting June 1st at musictectonics.com.
1: Okay, we're back. And I now we get to the fun part, gentlemen, at least from my perspective. So one, you know, people talk a lot about the operational or financial side of um, crypto blockchain, decentralized Web3, whatever. A fun title we, or name we want to give to it. Um, but what I think is the most intriguing and is just now starting to be discussed more broadly is the creative possibilities. So every new um, change in format or new leap forward in technology often um, leads to new sounds, new musical practices, new ways of making a community of artists. What are you guys seeing on the platform that gives you hope about the creative promise of a decentralized community like Audius?
3: Uh, I'll jump in. Um, I would say that like, the most encouraging thing to me personally, as somebody who's, whose entire career is literally predicated on the existence of SoundCloud, and I've worked in the music industry for almost 12 years now, um, we're seeing collaboration in in a way that is like very, very uh, sanctioned and smooth and exciting. Um, and that is something that is not... It's not to say that musicians don't collaborate in, under the current streaming paradigm. It's just less... Uh, there's a lot more friction in it and i think that that the ways that we're building um these not only collaboration tools like the remix feature i, fe- I mentioned but also the ability to quickly split a song's um, revenue stream on the back end um is one of the things that i think is, is going to be most um uh how do i want to say like profoundly innovative in terms of the way people create because uh for example i've you know been in sessions with Bieber, i've been in sessions with with lady gaga all these things it gets really fucking messy when that one percent of a song that you may or may not have contributed to based on the consensus of the room like if there's three people writing a song i, I don't know if everybody is aware of this but no pop artists write their own songs <laughs> and there's five to seven collaborators on most like billboard top top 100 hits or whatever and uh, it creates this nature of scarcity because there's so little money being paid out to these co-writers and these co-producers and things that it there's actually like a cottage industry of lawyers that claw back a 1% uh, or 2% of the publishing on these songs because it's just so difficult um, to get paid. Ultimately, like it, it, it becomes this like um, Game of Thrones-esque um, like war uh, for, wow. <laughs> for, for revenue. Um and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's very difficult to quantify a contribution or it's very difficult to it, it requires like many, many st- steps of bureaucracy to be able to um, uh, to attribute and pay um, and get paid and, and know and audit and get co- like have your collections agency do all these things. I see a world where people are much less um, precious about these things because not because they're not important, but because they're doing them at scale. Um, and there's there's you know, it's decentralization broadly is like this ability to like you know uh for like those drake and taylor swift are making basically the are the only two people making money on spotify but if there was you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of people making far less money than drake and taylor swift but making a livable wage it becomes uh, it kind of shifts the entire attitude towards creation to a um kind of a vibe of abundance and i i do think that is um one of the most exciting things uh, about the idea of decentralizing the creation and distribution of of music. Um, Also, like, and and you can also look at, like, the way that other platforms have um, informed the way people create music um, for TikTok so that it, it eventually hits the trending chart on Spotify and then, you know, makes it to Top 40 Radio. Most of those songs aren't, and I don't mean this as, like, a dig on these people, like, congratulations, and, you know, if it's working for you, it's working, but... You know i don't think we're getting an nwa out of that that pipeline like i don't think we're getting um, political dissent i don't think we're getting um songs that, that that you know push uh the the collective uh social consciousness forward in the same way um that you we were when soundcloud was happening because soundcloud was um we don't think of soundcloud as like uh this halcyon days uh like in a, in a nostalgic capacity i have, as somebody who's worked in the music industry have actually seen um, the lack of SoundCloud be a hugely detrimental thing to creators, like because if nothing else, you could you know get a viral remix going on SoundCloud and then go play soft ticket shows all over the all over the country, um, just because you put made some song in your bedroom. That's really not the case very often anymore, and so we've kind of seen like we've kind of seen like the all genres just kind of flatten out into this very very cookie cutter, predictable um, algorithm driven uh, um, kind of industry. And I think the human algorithm is greatly underappreciated, and I, I really do think human, creation, human curation um, is uh, largely beneficial to um, the social dialogue.
1: What do you, where do you guys think this is all going? So you've set up this protocol, right? It's like you set this machine in motion. Um, and, and Ronale, I, I, I doubt you don't do anything, but you know, the fact it's sort of a hands off, you're sort of a, a, a Deus ex machina kind of, um, well, that's not, I don't get to say that on the podcast very much. Um, but you guys are kind of, you know, outside of this, this community that's evolving and working together. What, um, you know, where is this going? What do you guys see happening? Where where would you dream about it going in two or three or 10 years? Like, what's the future like for a decentralized system like Audius?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like... You know the the coolest part of a decentralized system like this, right, is that we we don't actually know the the answer to that question, right? It's it's really uh, in the hands of and up to the community. Um, but what we can offer is you know like where where we think it might go, um, and uh, uh, you know we'll we'll uh, have to see if that's kind of aligns with uh, or is consistent with what the uh, what the community actually wants for Audius. But I think we're super excited. Um, by just the opportunities and possibilities broadly created by uh this system being fully open open source uh all the data being open um everything else um uh kind of that that comes along with that um and i I think we really see sort of the core audience product like the the um product that people are going and and looking at and and interacting with um serving as this this reference implementation that effectively like is teaches more and more folks like what you could do with uh these tools and and this kind of distribution tool chain more broadly right um so you know there's sort of that that aspect right like the the kind of complete openness to developers and development like i i you know we would foresee the future of audius being this kind of like Clearinghouse or gateway of sorts for uh, that artist fan relationship, and enabling uh, the artist and and creator uh, uh, who who owns that relationship uh, to use it in any way they see fit, in any other application they may see fit, right? So think like if you could uh, uh, you know connect your concert ticketing system up to Audius so that you could identify uh, the fans that are listening to your content in a given uh, a location near where say a, con- uh, a concert may be happening and, you know, market to them directly around that, right? Like that sort of vision of, you know, being able to connect all this data together and use it to your to your advantage as a creator, I think, is is the natural consequence of this kind of open, uh, open approach, right? Um, now, from the kind of broader ecosystem perspective, though, I guess you know what we would really see happening over time uh, is sort of this this um, evolution of of uh, kind of I guess how creators approach and think about their business, right? Like this idea that you can vertically integrate yourself as an artist, uh, owning your distribution stack and like all other aspects of uh, uh, sort of the the business of creating music and and building fan bases and ca- you know kind of leveraging that brand equity to to monetize it in in different and various ways, um, you know I, I think Audius is is a kind of a key part of that that broader evolution. But I think that ground kind of tide shift is is already happening whether whether um, you know we existed or not uh, towards independent musicians. Owning and vertically integrating their tool chains, but so same with management companies and, and labels, right? Vertically integrating and owning their own tool chains as well, right? Like I think that that kind of shift uh, uh, is already happening before our eyes, but um, I think you know continues to uh, will continue to uh, intensify as tools like Audius make it more possible and and easy to uh, uh, to kind of like. Take those steps, right? Um, you know, I, I think there's a future world where uh, uh, the music listening experience that someone listens to uh, effectively doesn't doesn't end up mattering, right? If if everything is pulling from a shared common uh, uh, catalog with sort of uh, clearly and transparently defined like rights and and uh, sort of uh, uh, licenses with respect to how uh that content can be consumed or listened to right um like as a uh uh artist or a rights holder you don't actually have to know you know where where your content is being listened to or or uh you know in what application or or interface right so long as someone is actually like you know remunerating the correct uh uh amount of uh payment or or whatever it may be to unlock that content so i i think that's that's really like you know where we see, I guess, Audius uh, uh, going in this broader kind of shift, but I, I think that shift is happening, uh, you know, with with or without Audius, right? If it weren't us, there would be, uh, uh, you know, fifteen other things, and there are fifteen other things in other verticals, right, uh, uh, going after this same sort of um, uh, kind of opportunity around. Uh, uh, vertical integration and uh, decentralization. Um, I, I think, you know, we we are kind of the clear leaders around streaming and distribution, but uh, uh, very excited about, you know, a lot of opportunities folks are working around on around, say, like concert ticketing, uh, for example, creator tools is another one. Like, I think all of these sort of aspects of that you know, supply chain of music, if you can even call it that, uh, uh, you know, are, are sort of being being kind of overhauled and and uh, uh, renewed for this this kind of new cycle of creation and, and innovation.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, this has been really, really interesting, guys. And I love how far we've ranged in just a short 40 some odd minutes. Thanks so much for your time and your insights.
3: Thanks for having us. Thank
1: you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much.
4: Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We put out new episodes every week. Want more? Find it at musictectonics.com. You can dig deeper into this episode, learn about our annual conference, get the Music Tectonics app, and sign up for our newsletter. musictectonics.com has it all. Also, look for Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. And connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, on LinkedIn. Peace.
0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.